Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine world. You know, we have a, <coughs> excuse me, we have a lot of, oh my gosh, I almost choked. Uh, we have a lot of stuff going on in this world. And, uh, you know, some of the things that we have to think about is when we're looking at leading in dynamic settings, uh, what are the skills that we need to have, right? And when we think about people who are intelligent leaders, you know, uh, say, for instance, uh, like Elon Musk, right? We think, oh, wow, this guy is like a genius. He's just, his IQ must be off the charts uh, because of all these things he has. But there's another quote, there's another area that we have to take a look at. It's called the EQ or emotional quotient. And, and it's being argued right now, and I think I agree with it, but it's probably, if not as equal to, I think it might be even more important than what your IQ is. And I have one of the world's experts in EQ here with me today, Phil Johnson. Phil, welcome to the show. Oh, Todd, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on your show. So, Phil, before we get too deep into to EQ, I think your your story is amazing. Uh, your background, I mean, like how you grew up, and and a, cu- a couple of things that we share together, right? Is that uh, uh, we're both uh, dyslexics, and so we had to struggle through school and, and what that really means. Um, let's talk about your background just a, for a minute. Sure. Um, and you're right. Uh, if, if I uh, I didn't realize I had dyslexia until about 35 years ago. I just uh, turned 68, but in the first 35 years of my life, I didn't really understand what was going on in me uh, or around me. So, but I can tell you that if I hadn't had the what I now view as good fortune of being born with dyslexia, I would not have been able to develop the ability to do what I've been doing for the last 21 years in helping executives and organizations develop their emotional intelligence. Now, people have like this misnotion of dyslexia being, oh, you, you know, write words backwards. And that might be the case in some cases, but it's, it's a lot more than that. And, and I think at the other end of it too, was specifically we started talking about EQ is it sort of toughens you up a little bit. Uh, I think, and this, at least that's my opinion, because you have to learn how to work through things uh, more than just the, they come natural. Um, do you find people that, that have either Asperger's or, or dyslexia or, or those around the spectrum, if you will, uh, on certain things, do, do, are they more, um, do they have more intelligence or emotional, I should say intelligence, emotional um, intelligence than they do uh, other than others? That's that's a great question. Uh, thanks for asking it. We're all we all face challenges, uh, some more than others. Um, but how we choose to deal with those challenges can either help us to become more emotionally intelligent um, and raise our level of consciousness and become more inspirational leaders, or it can drive us further into our comfort zone and we become more focused on ego and position-based power. So it really it's really based on how much somebody has a has a desired result that's more important than the fear of leaving their comfort zone. See, whenever we take an action, and I hope I'm not going 
too deep for your audience, but whenever we take an action that moves us outside of our comfort zone, we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like us to do that. So it, it always creates change and innovation, always creates anxiety in us. And if we don't have a strong emotional connection to a desired result that's greater than that anxiety, we won't leave our comfort zone. So we tend to, our comfort zone gets smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller over time. And we become, we feel like we're more trapped. Uh, so in answer to your question, for some people, the challenges they face will propel them in a direction that can help them to become more emotionally intelligent. In others, it propels them in the opposite direction. So the interesting thing I've, that I've learned about EQ in reading, I've, written, I've read a few books about this um, and, and listened to some lectures, is that something we can, you can work on, right? You can, you can always become better at it. Uh, what are some of the skills that you can work on to be to have a better EQ? In order to develop emotional intelligence, you you need to you need to develop better habits, and a lot of those habits have to do with how we communicate, listen, take responsibility, make decisions, how we're able to be more present in each moment. See when our when our fear takes over, when our ego-based fear controls us, we go into what psychologists call an amygdala hijack, where we, some people lash out, some people run away, some people freeze like a deer in the headlights, but it's, it's, it blinds us to reality of the present moment. It blinds us to being able to see who we truly are, and it blinds us to being able to see other people for who they are. And we become more resistive, more judgmental, more attached to outcome. So the development of emotional intelligence is a journey of learning how to move through the anxiety that change and innovation creates in us towards a desired result. Um, and that's how we develop our emotional intelligence. And I'll give you an analogy. So, so I'll give you an analogy between IQ and EQ as far as the ability to generate results. First, intellectual intelligence is genetic. It's fixed. Um, so think of it as, would you rather have um, a penny Sorry, would you rather have $10,000 a day for 31 days or would you rather have a penny that doubles every day for 31 days? So the, the second is emotional intelligence. The more you practice it, the more you develop it, um, the greater the results. So in the first case, $10,000 a day for 31 days is uh, $310,000. A penny doubling every day for 31 days is $10.7 million. And if you continue on at 40 days, it's over 5 billion, over 50, it's over 5 trillion. So the point is that the development of emotional intelligence isn't genetic, it isn't inherited, 
It's something that anybody can develop. And the results increase exponentially over time. So our emotional intelligence and our intellectual intelligence are really meant to work together. And the development of emotional intelligence has a massive multiplier effect on our results. And our educational system and our employment system has really let us down because they, they focused more on our ability to do intellectual labor. And with the tsunami of change coming at us, we really need to be developing our emotional intelligence. Uh, everybody realizes that change is increasing at an ever increasing rate. Actually, yeah, some scientists estimate that in this century, we could experience the equivalent of 20,000 years worth of change in this century. And we've got a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change. So here's, 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 the, here's a, an analogy that illustrates the importance of emotional intelligence. And I'll give you some examples of companies that are focusing more on this and the examples are, and the results are getting in a minute. But if you think of your amygdala as a very frightened four-year-old child, that's part of our old lizard brain. Um, the development of our emotional intelligence acts like a big brother or a big sister to quiet the amygdala response down and better enable us to feel the fear and anxiety that change and innovation creates in us and move through it towards the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing that anxiety to keep us trapped in our comfort zones. So more and more companies are developing, hiring, and promoting largely based on emotional intelligence. And I'll give you a few examples, starting with one of the biggest companies, Apple. Apple's doing over a trillion dollars a year in sales. And their whole hiring process is focused on looking for people with above average levels of emotional intelligence. They're far less interested in what you know about their products and services. They can teach you that. But what they're really looking for is people with above average levels of emotional intelligence. That's why when you walk into an Apple store, the energy you feel is an example of a more emotionally intelligent environment. They're not trying to sell you anything. Uh, whether or not you buy anything is secondary. They want to serve you. They want to understand your pain and they want to, if possible, help you. They want you to have a great experience and maybe you'll go tell your friends and they'll tell their friends. Um, other companies, um, Google, Southwest Airlines, JetBlue, Infosys, Whole Foods, FedEx, more and more are focusing on the development of emotional intelligence. So with the accelerating rate of global change and the fact that we have a 500 million year old brain that doesn't like change, the development of our emotional intelligence has become a must have career skill and really represents the future of organizational development. So we talk about the leader that has a high EQ uh, and Elon Musk is one of those that comes to, comes to mind. Um, 
are they more likely to be the servant leader um, or are they, are they a top-down command leader? Always servant leader. Um, if you need a title, first of all, leadership is not a position. It's a choice that every single one of us needs to make. And if you need a title to get people to follow you, you're not a leader. If your actions don't inspire people to follow your example, you're not a leader. So that's the difference between somebody that relies needs to rely on position-based power and a truly authentic leader, a truly authentic, emotionally intelligent leader. One other little tidbit, um, according to Gallup, the current level of employee engagement worldwide is about 13%. So what that means is that there are an awful lot of toxic work environments where people don't feel safe to fully engage, where people don't feel safe to take risk. And that's a direct reflection of the level of emotional intelligence in that environment. The higher the level of emotional intelligence, the less drama, chaos, and conflict there will be in that environment. The lower the level of emotional intelligence, the greater the amount of drama, chaos, and conflict that will occur. And one other little point is there's almost a one-to-one -one correlation between the level of employee engagement and the level of customer engagement. So if your employees don't feel engaged, if they don't feel safe, then neither do your customers. How, so when you're, when you're looking at leadership specifically like during crisis, and I, I think this is where this comes full circle and where a lot of the people who listen to the show where we, where we live in, right. And, and, you know, we're looking at the world right now um, with the crisis in, in Europe. Um, and then, of course, you know, anything can happen at any given time. You know, when you're looking at emergency and disaster response, you know, um, and, you know, business continuity side of things. Um, why, why is EQ and I kind of I kind of have my idea on this, but why, why is EQ more critical during crises? than say somebody who's a, a very intelligent person who can you know figure out math equations because we're only conscious about three to five percent of the time um the rest of the time we're relying on our unconscious habits to determine our behaviors and our results and in times of crisis if we don't have emotional intelligence if we're relying on position-based power people die and relationships die, we burn trust. So what's going on in Ukraine and in Russia is a perfect example of a, an emotional intelligent leader and a wolf mm. and, a, and somebody that's relying on position-based power to control and manipulate everybody. So as the rate of change continues to accelerate, it will become more important and quite frankly, easier to see 
who the true leaders are that are trying to lead the rest of us to safety through their example and who the real wolves are that are trying to use position-based power to control and manipulate others to get them to change because they're unwilling to change themselves. Great example. Do you think that those that are um, kind of kind of stretching here, but not stretching, but the, I was just listening to something yesterday and they were talking about it and I wasn't sure if this is uh, something they were just kind of kind of spitting out there or, this, or there's actually data behind it. But uh, they're saying that when a crisis occurs like this, that you see more governments moving to um, uh, more authoritative govern, uh, governance than, than democratization. Uh, that's worldwide. I mean, it, it could potentially happen here. We're seeing some of that happening um, up in, in Canada where, where you're at. Um, is that due just to the world stresses that are going on? Um, or is that just a manipulation of, of the world politics right now? Groups behave. It's, it's similar to the discussion, uh, the comments I made about individual change. Some countries, some groups will react to change in a very positive way, like the Ukraine, like President Zelensky. I mean, it's really, he's demonstrating world-class, emotionally intelligent leadership. For some other groups that lack emotional intelligence, it drives them further into position-based power and manipulation. It increases the toxicity in the environment. It increases the drama, chaos, and conflict in the environment. So the challenges we face are simply the source of motivation to move in a more positive, emotionally intelligent direction or a more negative, destructive direction. So I, I want to put this in context of, say, public safety, for instance. Sure. Uh, where during a crisis, we, we really need to have leaders who can stand up and Zelensky is a really great example. I mean, if you can't, that's I think probably, you know, he's in the middle of the, the, the worst case scenario, I would think, you, you know, I could, I mean, you know, we've had natural disasters around the world. That's one thing, but when your whole entire country is, is being bombarded. Um, but when we're in a crisis, say, you know, whether it's the a war, um, threat of war, uh, you have, you know, disasters such as Katrina or, or Harvey. Um, how, how do leaders then, utilize their emotional intelligence to be able to lead their communities uh, through a crisis? They see what needs doing and they do it. They see what needs doing and they do it. Um, they don't wait to see who's watching. If they see a challenge, if they see something that needs fixing, they set about trying to fix it. And they do it without resistance, judgment, or attachment outcome. And that inspires others to follow in their direction. We have this without getting too much into this, unless you care to. Because we've grown up in herds uh, over the millions of years, tribes, 
we've had to develop the ability to sense whether somebody's trying to help us or hurt us. Mm. We have these specialized brain cells in our prefrontal cortex called mirror neurons. Quite frankly, I call them bullshit meters. <laughs> so you can't fake being authentic. We can tell when you walk into a room or you have a conversation with somebody, you know whether they're being real or not. You know whether they care or not. You have that intuition, that sense, that gut instinct. So the challenges we face will either bring out the best in us or the worst in us. Mm. And it has to do with our level of consciousness. It has to do with our level of emotional intelligence. And as I say, we haven't had that training. Our educational system didn't train us to be emotionally intelligent. Our employment system hasn't trained us to be emotionally intelligent. And so we're seeing the effects everywhere. That has to change because of the accelerating rate of global change. Mm. We have to become more emotionally intelligent so that we can feel the anxiety that change creates in us and move through it towards the vision of our desired results, as opposed to allowing the anxiety to control us. I think about bedside manner of the medical professionals, and you can have a, a doctor or a nurse or a paramedic who are really great with medicine, but if they have terrible bedside manner, the patient doesn't feel that they are treated well, even if their medicine is better than the others. And that the person who has the great bedside manner sometimes actually helps heal uh, a patient uh, faster. Charlotte, Charlotte brings something up, and, and I'll let you address both of these at the same time because I think they're very, very connected, though. And she, she says EQ isn't always soft and gentle. Do you agree with that? Absolutely. Um, most of the time, people don't want to do things. People would rather, you're saying people would rather die than change. Yeah. So helping people often requires to help them to see what they don't see. It's, it can be, it is uncomfortable, but that uncomfortable feeling doesn't mean it's not worth it. See, because of the, on the other side of that discomfort is enlightenment, mm. is greater awareness. See, we can't achieve results that are beyond our current level of awareness. Everybody, the results that anybody is, any, anybody is achieving is simply a reflection of their current level of awareness. If they want to if they want to achieve better results than they're currently getting, they have to raise their level of awareness, which means they have to be willing to leave their comfort zone on a regular basis. And that's uncomfortable. So a piece of advice that you could tell the listeners today, if they if they're like, hey, I'm I'm buying into this, this is something I think is important. I, I understand EQ is critical. How do we get better? How, what's the first step in, in getting becoming more emotionally intelligent? 
sit down with yourself and try and connect emotionally with some desired result that's more important to you than your fear of leaving your comfort zone. That is like the fuel for the journey. Without that, without some connection to a desired result that you're passionate about, you won't have the, you won't be willing to do the emotional labor that change and innovation requires. So it always, the question I always ask people before I start coaching, before I start working with them, is what do you want? That's always the first question. Because when somebody tells you what they want, they're also telling you what they don't have. And the bigger the gap between where they are versus where they want to be, the more motivated they are to look for a solution to close that gap. And without that motivation, nothing changes. It's, it's like the fuel for the journey. It's like putting gas in your car. Um, without, without the gas, you're not going anywhere. You may want better results, but you won't have the you won't have the motivation to move out of your comfort zone and move through the anxiety that's going to create in, a, in order to achieve those results. Does EQ start with empathy? Empathy is one of the characteristics of emotional intelligence. There are a couple of dozen of them, but empathy, empathy is one of them, yes. Is that where you start? No, you start with the developing a vision for a desired result. See, we don't know what we don't know. Getting on this path, it's an experience. The development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process. It's not an intellectual process, meaning you can only connect the dots in hindsight. So you've got to take that leap of faith to get moving in this direction. And as you do that, you start to develop more empathy for yourself and others, you know, greater awareness, more empathy, um, greater confidence. Also, there's all sorts of characteristics that begin to emerge as you become more emotionally intelligent. Empathy is, empathy, empathy is simply one of them. So if we, I always ask this question because I think it's interesting sure. when we talk about change, if we could snap our fingers, and make the change, um, where where would that be? Where where do we need to, as individuals, as society, and maybe I, this question is too broad, but you know, I was thinking as individuals and as a society, where do we need to start, or where do we need to go to become better? Well, you could have a conversation with me. I'd be happy to. Uh, you you have to start by starting, and you need a guide. You need a guide. You need a Sherpa to, to help you on this journey, uh, to be able to teach you, coach you, mentor you, challenge you, um, until you begin to see what you couldn't see before. So it's you, you start by starting, looking for a looking for somebody that can help you on your journey, that can help that's that can help you to see what you can't see. It's interesting. I always, I, I ask, often ask people I'm coaching through the process, and they're going, you know, the, as the lights start to come on and they realize the value and importance of the development of their emotional intelligence, they're saying, this is incredible. You know, this is a, 
this is amazing. This is something everybody needs to know. Um, and I say, yeah, I, I know. Um, but is there anything I could have said to you in the beginning? Are there any magic words? Is there anything I could have done in the beginning that could have helped prepare you for what you know now? And the answer is no. The answer is no. You can't develop emotional intelligence by reading a book or watching a video or having a conversation. The development of emotional intelligence is an experiential process where you have to leave your comfort zone. And there's a, there's a, there's a real methodology for, for individual change and there's a methodology for organizational change. Um, and you really, you really need a guide. You need a coach. Angela Duckworth and Paul Stoltz, both written, wrote books based upon grit. Yep. Is grit part of EQ or is EQ part of grit? Huh. Um, grit provides, grit comes from the motivation to achieve something that's more important than your fear. So you become gritty as Angela talks about, by willing to move through the anxiety that change creates in us. Um, and as you start to get better results, you become even grittier. Because initially, at the beginning, you haven't gotten any results. Nothing's different. So it really requires that leap of faith, that grit. But as you start to progress and as your results start to get better you become even more motivated but here's the thing the motivation changes from a motivation based on fear trying to get away from something to a motivation based on passion to motivation to move towards the vision of your desired result um but it all requires grit Say one thing to everybody's listening today to take away with what would it be? Invest, bet on yourself by developing your emotional intelligence. Bet on yourself by developing your emotional intelligence. The dividends, it will ensure that the rest of your life will be the best of your life. It is the single best thing you can do to ensure your success in every area of your life. Guaran guaranteed. Guaranteed. Now, I know you stated that you can't read a book or watch a video or, 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 or kind of work through this, but you have to really go through the journey. But uh, what book, book or publication do you recommend to people when, uh, when they say, what should, what could I do? I love Eckhart Tolle. Um, and his second book, A New Earth, which is right there, um, is a fantastic book that will make some sense to some people and no sense to most people <laughs> um, based on their level of consciousness. Uh, I like to think that my MBL program is the way of achieving what he talks about in his book. But I, uh, I think he's, I think he's incredible. How can people find you? Um, the best way I just started publishing a newsletter. 
um, then they can subscribe to it, uh, or they can find me on LinkedIn, and it's got a uh, it's got a link to my calendar, and I'd be happy to uh, to meet with anybody uh, that wants to have a chat for free. Just you know, reach out and get on my calendar. I'd also uh, I think it'd be great. Um, they can subscribe to my uh, my newsletter on LinkedIn, and um, there's all there's all sorts of client testimonials and information, and I I publish it daily. Right, I'm a subscriber. So, oh, cool. uh, <laughs> hey everybody, um, Phil, it's been it's great having you on the show. Uh, we're here at the uh, the end of the t- our time together. Uh, I'd like to do this again sometime. Thank you. I would love it. And I really, I really appreciate the work you're doing, Todd. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for spending time with me this morning. Uh, it's always a pleasure. And um, if you guys, please, if you guys can find it, follow us here um, on LinkedIn, uh, follow us on, on Facebook and on, on YouTube, um, and also on your favorite podcast player. And you can also find us on Sitch Radio, uh, who uh, helps produce this program. Uh, Brian Colburn, who's the push the buttons in the back, would really appreciate that as well. But uh, really do appreciate your support and everything you guys do. And uh, please feel free to reach out to us anytime. Until next week, everybody, please stay safe. Stay hydrated.